Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for listening today. And today we're joined by Teresa Crawford. Teresa, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And Teresa attends our church at Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene. And she's going to share her testimony with us today. Teresa, just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Okay. I'm from Dublin, Virginia, which is in southwest Virginia. I lived there all of my childhood life. I am an only child, so I was very protected as a child. Uh, My grandparents were Pentecostal holiness. Uh, My grandfather was Pentecostal holiness minister. So I learned a lot uh, about holiness from the very get-go. My mother's mother, my grandmother, was what they called an undenominational mm-hmm. group that met in their homes. Okay. It, um, like a home church? Like a home church. Yeah. Like, I kind of equated to Quaker, but they weren't, yeah. they weren't called Quakers. Yeah. And she was, well, all three of my grandparents were just extremely loving and lived a God-filled life mm. and were really perfect examples mm-hmm. of Christian home, Christian life. Yeah. So you probably, if you had a Pentecostal holiness grandfather, you probably spent a lot of time in church. We did. And early on, um, when I was you know, four and five years old, um, we went to church regularly, but we went to a Methodist church. Okay. <laughs> so that was different. But when we would go visit wherever... Papa was preaching. Mm-hmm. We always went to service, mm. and it was quite a different experience than going to the Methodist yeah. church. But I remember all the stories, the Bible stories that we learned in Sunday school. They're very vivid to me from the teaching that I got in the Methodist church. Yeah, it's different perspectives that's brought out, and I think they all can add a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see things from different perspectives. It helps you to think a little bit maybe outside the box of hearing it just one way all the time. Right. Um, so you spent a good bit of time, it sounds like, um, in church, grew up going to church. And there's one thing of going to church because someone wanted you to go to church to a place where God becomes real and you want to go to church. Like, and somewhere in there, um, I'm going to guess, kind of feel like maybe at a younger age you accepted Jesus. I don't know. Um, you can well, speak to that. We moved when I was five to a different community. And my parents looked for a church, mm. but they couldn't settle on one. Mm-hmm. And it sort of faded. Wow. So we didn't get up and go to church on Sunday mm. mornings unless we were going to visit Mama mm-hmm. and Papa. And I missed it, and I knew in my little heart that I missed it. And I would get up on Sunday mornings and um, listen to a radio broadcast that came out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. I can't remember a little transistor radio, and I guess for a long time that was my church. Wow. Until I was in about the fourth grade, and my piano teacher asked if I would like to join her little bell choir at the Methodist Church in Dublin. And I did, and started going regularly to Sunday school. Daddy would take me, drop me off, and then come back and pick me up. 
and eventually that led to the discipleship classes and joining the church but I always knew that that's where I belonged wow that just I had that feeling that (laughs) that you'd not been far from a church Um, so in that journey where did I mean God obviously was pretty real to you all the way through Mm -hmm. Is there a time, like some people don't have that time where they really accepted Christ. They just, it's been a lifelong journey. Yeah, sometimes I listen to people tell their stories of uh, transformation and, you know, it was like going from black to white. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really had that because I just felt, I just felt the Holy Spirit all my life. And sometimes I think, well, that would be kind of a great experience although I wouldn't want to be in the black. Right, 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 right. (laughs) But just to have that, aha, there it is kind of moment. Right, right. But, you know, there were a few times in the Pentecostal Mm -hmm. services where, you know, the altar call would be given and you felt Mm -hmm. convicted. Now, you never, not that I remember, we never received an altar call in the Methodist church, although we had um, prayer on Sunday evenings. Mm. And people would come up to the altar during a quiet time and pray. And that was uh, inspirational. Yeah. So how did you get, you grew up in Dublin. (laughs) How did you get to Harrisonburg? It's probably a story there. Well, let's see. I graduated with a degree in music education and moved to Appomattox County, Virginia Mm -hmm. for my very first job. I ended up teaching high school choral and middle school music. Mm-hmm. I taught there for two years, and uh, high school was not really where I wanted to be, so I started looking for something else, and I was offered a position in Christiansburg at an elementary school, which I would love to have done, but I didn't want to move back home. <laughs> <laughs> so I stayed another year. That fall... I met my husband, Mm. who came to work as a PE teacher in Affirmatics. So we met in September and were married the next July. I think that when you met him the first time, though, (laughs) you didn't think he was going to be your husband, right? No, no, not at all. Um, He was very tall, and I had a girlfriend who was six feet tall. And when they were introducing the new teachers, I punched her and I said, Hey, Patsy. There's one for you. <laughs> and then he came knocking on my door. <laughs> That's great. God works in mysterious, mysterious. ways. And uh, it's said that uh, his plans are better for us than we have for ourselves. So you guys met in Appomattox. Right. So did he have a connection to Harrisonburg, or how did you guys end well, up Well, actually, in he grew up in Weir's Cave, and uh, we were married for... Uh, a couple of years, and then Jessica was born. And this is funny because his mother was in her early 60s, and I'm past that now. And we thought that we needed to move up here to take care of her. (laughs) And I think about that now, how funny that is, that I don't want my children to think that they have to come take care of me at this age, but uh, we did think that we needed to come and offer some help for her so we ended up moving to Harrisonburg actually Bridgewater 
Well, thank you for sharing that, Teresa. And it was also neat to hear you talking about growing up as a kid in the church, but there was a period where you didn't go to church regularly and how the radio was your church. (laughs) So we talk about uh, the ministry of Christian radio. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to hear that firsthand from somebody. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah, we just recently interviewed Dave Eshelman, and it's just amazing Um, As you were talking about that, I thought, wow, you know, Dave is really passionate about getting the word out there uh, to people that could be shut in. Mm -hmm. You know, we think about that demographic, but we haven't said it a lot about the children that have a desire. And so we should never limit who the Christian radio can connect with and who is just seeking that message. That was powerful. I thought so too, Grayson. (laughs) Well, so you have how many children? Two. You have two children. You taught for a few years. All total, I taught 15 years. Okay. Off and on, different counties. Right. So, Teresa, is there um, anything, you know, we all have a testimony, you know, growing up, whether we were in church, we weren't in church. Um, It sounds like you've stuck pretty close to the Lord. You've trusted him. Uh, most of your life is there anything that you want to share with us like I know that you I've, I've watched you grow and I know your story I know some of it I don't know all of it so is there anything that you would like to share with us that might just bring hope to someone who's in a seemingly hopeless situation how's God up to date and what's your testimony yeah. of what he's doing in your life that's not 20 years ago, but it's up to date. It's what he's doing now that could maybe encourage someone listening today. was the most amazing transformation over the period of about three years now. Some time ago, starting probably about five years ago when the market crashed, my husband was in insurance and investments and securities. And, uh, of course, the business went um, was very difficult and went kind of, bad. And then um, a lot of things started happening when things like that happen. Mm -hmm. People want to come back and blame the Mm -hmm. agent. So there was a period of time that that started to happen and a lot of other things were happening and it just started to snowball. Mm -hmm. There was one thing after another, after another, after another. The culmination of all those bad things ended up in a lawsuit. Well, actually, it was it's called an arbitration in mm-hmm. securities. And uh, my husband was accused of doing some things that he did not do. There was one particular person who took the stand and, and it was blatantly lied. And we had to spend our life savings defending ourselves with attorneys and attorney fees and after spending all of that, um, eventually it turned into we, we lost our home as well. Mm. And the system just didn't work for us. Yeah. And we lost everything. Um, and I know when things like that happen, people want to believe the worst and they right. want to believe right. that, you know, he did these awful things and God and I know the truth. Right. You know the truth. Um, so it was devastating the day that the judge said, 
you know, we're putting your house mm. on the market and we're selling it. Yeah. And we had six weeks to pack up 35 years of mm. our lives. And I, we, well, we both, the whole family, we were very broken. And I just couldn't believe that this was happening and that God was allowing this to happen. Mm. Yeah. In my faithful mind, I kept saying, okay, there has to be a reason for this. But in my heart, I was broken because we were losing everything. Mm-hmm. We were, you know, you lose your home. And so I kept saying, God, you have promised me the desires of my heart, and the desires of my heart are not to lose my home. Mm. And we just kept saying, he's got a plan. He's got a plan. But I'm not quite sure I believed it at that time. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, what kind of a plan would cause me to lose my home? Mm -hmm. So that was, um, it was, it was awful. It was devastating. And at that point, I became lost. And um, I didn't know which way to turn. It had begun to take some physical Oh yeah. You had you know, your body had begun to really you had some pretty significant illness that kind of attacked your body too around that time. Right. Um I had sinus issues and uh, you know a lot of fatigue and then it settled mm-hmm. in my hip and I I don't know it was just like one thing after another went wrong physically. And I have to look back now at the blessings that happened along the way, Mm. and the most significant one in the very beginning was the day the hammer came down, or the gavel came down, and the judge said, your home has been sold. That night, we received a phone call from a friend who said, my husband's boss wants you to live in his house for up to three years. They have bought a house in Harrisonburg and are moving and need to make some repairs on this house. And if you can live there and uh, allow the contractors to make these repairs, they want you to have this house rent-free for up to three years while they get ready to sell it. Wow. I hadn't even had time to process how I was going to pack up Mm. all those years of memories and had no idea where we were going to go. Wow. And God provided. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. It was amazing, and it gives me chills just to think of that. I got him too. Thank you for sharing that, Teresa. And just sounds like such a hopeless situation. And we know, as you were saying, you were still trusting God, not understanding how he was going to use this, but since then he was going to use it in some way. And you mentioned that God provided. God provided a place for you and your husband to live. Mm -hmm. So maybe if there's somebody listening that's in a desperate situation, I don't know, maybe they've lost their home, maybe they've lost their job, maybe something else tragic like that or desperate has happened to them. What are, you know, I mean, obviously trusting God, but what, if you want to expand, maybe some words of advice that you would have for somebody in a similar situation to your own? Well, I took that time at this new place to just, well, in the beginning it was just severe depression and not wanting to do anything. 
and I didn't want to go out. And eventually, my husband did lose his um, his job completely as a result of all of this. So we were just sort of lost. But I took the time to take out my devotion book and my Bible, and in my loneliness of brokenness, I opened those books, and I read, and I prayed, and I read, and prayed. And friends started to reach out to me, so mm. wow. and to share um, resources. And after a few months of that, and just being in nature, and just getting away from the busyness of life, God put you in a retreat setting, right? right? Exactly. And it was a beautiful. I, I saw pictures. I wasn't there, but it was a beautiful setting. But even being there, something happened. As beautiful as it was, there were some issues even there that you had to move on to somewhere right. else before your time right. was up. But I used that time outside in nature to just draw closer to God. Mm-hmm. And he met me where I Amen. was. And I had always wanted to come to this church, but I had obligations in other places. Mm -hmm. I was choir director in this, that, in other churches. So finally, one Sunday morning, we said, let's go. Mm -hmm. So we did, and little by little, we started coming more on a regular basis and um, saw the video about Celebrate Recovery. And even though I was still very broken, I thought, well, maybe, maybe I can help someone in my brokenness, not realizing that um, I was the one who was going to be helped. So I got involved with Celebrate Recovery. But backing up, um, in that place, I developed a lot of sinus issues because there was some mold mm-hmm. in the not just in the house, but in the woods. You know how right. woods are. And then I became very sick. So as I started to get involved with Celebrate Recovery, the sinus issues became a problem, and I ended up having to have sinus surgery, which took me away from Celebrate Recovery Mm -hmm. for several weeks. But eventually I got back into it, and as I led a sharing group and heard other people's stories and they heard my story, we all started to heal together. It was an amazing experience. When you find out that you're not alone, our brokenness doesn't look the same. It's all different. And some people are broken early in life. Some people's mm-hmm. brokenness comes much later. Mm-hmm. But it all hurts. Yeah. Um, and just to know that there are other people around that understand pain, um, not exactly how we feel, but that they've been somewhere painful too. And just speaking that, I think an opportunity for me, I'll just digress um, just for a second. And what, I have, what I've learned in my story is in Scripture, um, it talks about the devil and his angels being chained to darkness. And there's something about when we come into a group where two or three are gathered together, when believers come together and we speak those hard painful things that we think we'll be judged on mm-hmm. when we speak them into the light into the place of uh, of believers the devil and his angels they cannot they lose their grasp because it's not just a thought that the devil can tantalize us with but it becomes out here where others can walk with us in mm-hmm. that 
And there's something about speaking it that the freedom comes. It's not what someone says back to you, right? Right. It's the opportunity and a right. place to actually just speak it in a place that you know that you can trust those around you mm-hmm. um, to share. That's powerful. Yeah. The first step study group that I was in, and we were yes. in, we were in together. Those stories, or my story, came was very painful, and uh, I was so appreciative of the women in my step study group because they listened, they didn't judge, mm-hmm. and then they comforted, and I cried a lot, and I can tell that story now without the wow. tears. Because what I've come to realize at this point is that those people who lied against us are still God's children. Amen. And what I have finally healed from was my desire to have them hurt as much Mm. as I was hurting. And now I understand and believe that they deserve the same amount of healing that I have received from mm-hmm. from Celebrate Recovery. Um, right. I, that's where, had we not been led here and to Celebrate Recovery, I don't know exactly what my life mm-hmm. would look like right now. I remember sitting across the table from you at Jalapenos in Bridgewater. Yes. <laughs> and believing that God had a great purpose for you. And I could cry now. <laughs> I've watched him do a healing in your life. That is undeniable. There were not many times you walked in this church, whether it was for Celebrate Recovery or Sunday morning, that there weren't tears. (laughs) And I have watched you lean in and do the hard work. It's not easy. It's not easy, but it's worth it. And I've watched you and Jim lean in and... That was, what, two and a half years ago at the most, maybe two years ago, a little bit more than that, that we met that day. And I think about if I would have told you that day that you were going to be um, helping to lead the ministry of Celebrate Recovery, you laughed at me. Right. And you would have said, you're whatever. Um, But here we are. Um, You've just uh, stepped into uh, one of the, a big leadership role this year. And um, I'm watching people find hope as you share with them and are helping to provide a place for others to come and find healing. It's just don't give up. Uh, If I could say anything to people who are thinking about coming or come here and there, the nights that you don't want to come are the nights that you will receive the most blessing by Mm -hmm. coming. Because the enemy wants to talk us out of our healing. He really does. Yeah. What would you say, like a lot of people, they hear about Celebrate Recovery and they go, that's just for addicts. What would you say to that? (laughs) No, it's for hurts, Mm. very deep hurt and desiring things that are not godly. My desire for those people to hurt as much as I was hurting was not godly. Mm. And I've heard all my life, you need to pray for those. Well, kind of hard or I thought it was kind of hard to pray for someone who had hurt me so badly but um, I just kept digging in and sticking with it and 
God, if this is what you really want, then you've got to help me. You've got mm-hmm. to um, get me through this and turn this around. And Grayson, your mother said to me the most amazing thing that really turned that around for me. And she said, forgiveness, and I think this is a quote from your dad, forgiveness is letting go of my right to hurt you as much as you hurt me. Mm. That was mm. powerful for mm-hmm. me. I've heard him say that about, um, you know, giving up your right to hurt them for hurting you. That's mm-hmm. powerful. That, And I'm sure you can speak to this, that that's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Teresa, thank you for sharing. And it sounds like that uh, Celebrate Recovery has really helped bring healing, restoration, and forgiveness into your life. Absolutely. Through all this hard stuff that you and your husband have gone through, what lets you know that the gospel is still the good news? And how has he answered prayer over the last year or two in your guys' lives? Well, he has... Oh, there's so much. I don't know where to start. Um, last January, I started a prayer journal, and I started listing all the things that I um, wanted to declare for this year. One of them was that uh, my daughter would move home. Well, mm-hmm. not long ago, she moved home. And I knew that was just kind of a wish on my part. Um, another was that my son and his wife would um, be blessed with a the child. They have had lost two and um, she is now in her fifth month, and we are expecting a grandchild mm. in September, so that's another positive answer. Uh, we together are growing, uh, Jim and I, and getting back into employment and starting to get our finances uh, settled, and that has been a huge answer. And every time I get a little anxious about the end of you know, it's getting a little scarce or sparse. God makes it happen. Mm. And uh, we're leaning on him because that's the only thing that we can do. And nothing else matters. So let's go back to the house that you lost. That was painful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think uh, most people listening today probably don't know what it's like to have to give up the home that you treasure um, against your will. Some people move because they want to. Steve and I have talked about moving, and I look around the house, and, you know, I'm kind of attached. Looking back to that time when the worst thing you felt like could happen was to lose your home, can you speak to that a little bit? Hindsight, would you rather have your home back, or would you rather have the life you have now? It's interesting that you should ask that, because my son and daughter-in-law still live down below Mm. the barn where they built an apartment was part of that whole piece of land and obviously I can't avoid looking at it it's a constant reminder I look up on the hill and I think yes I do miss it Mm -hmm. you know we were comfortable there it was a place that we were going to retire Um, we were always having friends and family in but to be where I am spiritually right now, there's no comparison. And it's okay now mm-hmm. that uh, someone else is enjoying mm-hmm. that house right. and that home. 
and I am enjoying uh, a new life. Right. And uh, a more blessed life. So just kind of as we begin to wrap up here, would you want the life you had and all of that, if you could go back and be the person that you were then, would you want that back? Or would you rather be who you are today? Oh, absolutely. I'd rather be the person that I am today. Person is not a whole lot, a whole lot different other than just, well, someone said it this way. And this as another quote from a friend. I've always been religious, but now I'm spiritual through celebrating relationship. I have been, I have become spiritual. And yes, that is the most important thing. Yes. And now we live in a home with my parents taking care of their needs as they age. Wow. Thank you for sharing, Teresa. Thank you for joining us today, Teresa, um, and thank you for sharing your testimony and being vulnerable with us. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that Teresa Crawford's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.